This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. So today I'm joined in the studio by Rebecca Franks, Reviews Editor, and Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor for First Listen, a monthly podcast where we chat about and rate an important new release. This month, we've been immersing ourselves in the colourful world of violinist Patricia Kopachinskaya and her new recording of imaginative and sometimes, well, unexpected duo collaborations. It's called Take Two and is subtitled Duos from a Thousand Years of Musical History for Young People from Aged Zero to One Hundred, and it's out now on Alpha. So, does this disc prove that two's most definitely company, or... Is it a bit of a duet weekend? So let's start at the deep end and track one, which is Patricia Kopanchinskaya's duet with DJ Sanchez Chiong and Overclockers. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
was that? So that was Overclockers by Sanchez Cheong. Uh, Sanchez Cheong being a DJ and duetting with violinist Patricia Kopenchinskaya. Rebecca, this is very much um, a very sort of varied disc, isn't it? Not so much the fact that all the music comes from different centuries, but all the duets are different. Give us a bit of a rundown of what we can expect. Yes, well, this disc is sort of unlike any other CD I've come across certainly recently. Uh, it's dedicated to her daughter Alice and that is the spirit I think in which you should uh, approach the disc it's, a, it's about curiosity and adventure that overclockers piece that we just heard there um, is introduced in the booklet notes saying with this piece we want to clean our ears they are all clogged up with classical music so that's sort of get rid of your preconceptions before you start listening to this and then you can be open to the, the journey that she takes us on mm. and Alice is of course um, a young girl. I mean, this is very much the sort of a, it's quite a playful treatment. I mean, we've got duets uh, with violin and clarinet, violin and harpsichord, voice, ocarina. What else have we got, Jeremy? Exactly. Well, we're not told exactly how old Alice is, but I'm presuming, presuming about six or seven, I think. It's probably kind of right. primary school age, early primary school age. And yes, we have the, the range of duets is, is great fun. Um, there's some traditional um, duets such as violin and harpsichord, violin and clarinet, um, violin and viol at one point as well. But as you say, there's also violin with turntables. Um, there's a brilliant one where you have violin with harpsichord and a children's piano, which works really, really well. And it's um, and it's that changing, um, there's a changing nature of the instruments in the duets as well as the repertoire, which makes it such fun. And the repertoire itself extends right from this thing called the, the Winchester Troper, which is from the 11th century, um, which is essentially, of course, it wasn't written for stringed instruments originally. It was for a pair of voices, but it's been transcribed described for, um, for violin and viol here. And it goes all the way through to very contemporary stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of it is very much with the tongue firmly in the cheek and some of it is done very reverentially and very beautifully. Um, I think one that sort of straddles the two maybe is the next extract, um, which we're going to hear now by a composer called Giamberti. And it says, Giù tessuti con diversi soffeggiamenti, scherzi perfidi e obliqui. Anyway, it's called Cuckoo. That was Cuckoo by Giamberti featuring uh, Reto Bieri on ocarina and, of course, Patricia Kopachinskaya um, on violin. Of course, um, sprinkled throughout the programme notes. And I think the programme notes are as an important part of this recording as the actual music itself are these little charming interviews um, that uh, Kopachinskaya does with her daughter. I mean, for example, she asks her, what do you think about crazy people? And her daughter says, well, they are mad. But don't you think that we might both be a little mad? 
a little, but not so much, just a little bit different. I think they're very charming and they sort of weave a, a narrative throughout the throughout the whole album. What, Rebecca, how, how did how did the whole sort of storyline strike you? Well, I listened at the same time as reading the programme notes and looking at the pictures. There are lots of little pictures that Alice has drawn. There are also lovely photographs uh, by Marco Borgreve interspersed throughout the whole uh, album of of the various musicians, of them in situ in the, the church that they have recorded in, which seems to be sort of out in the countryside at the bottom of forests and mountains. It looks rather wonderful. And... As I, when I was reading through, I hugely enjoyed it because it, it made sense. It explained why those performers were there, why the pieces of music had been chosen. You get a sense of that relationship between Patricia and her daughter. I don't know what it would have been like if I'd listened without reading. And I think maybe Jeremy did do that. You listened first without yes, reading and then... I listened to begin with without reading the notes and it doesn't work very well as a dislike because you really don't have the faintest idea what's going on. Um, then I actually did read it with the notes and it all came together and it all made sense. What's quite interesting, actually, aside from the interviews is that when she is writing the notes, um, Kapachinskaya's language is sort of an interesting mix of speaking to a child but also definitely speaking to an adult audience as well. And there's one, two references which would go, unless it's an extraordinarily bright child, would go well over their heads. For instance, in in her description of the Winchester Troper, she says at one point, intervals which we perceive as less agreeable, like seconds and fourths, were used frequently. The tritone did not need a resolution. Now, I don't know how many seven or eight-year-olds are actually familiar with what tritones are or what resolution is, but so it's a funny old mix, whereas a lot of the language, language she uses elsewhere is a lot more sort of speaking on a child's level. It's, it's interesting. I thought exactly the same because I had a question mark in my mind to start with. I thought, well, who's the audience for this? And, you know, she's done it for her daughter, but we should be listening to this as, as adults or as children. But then actually you go back and it's, as you said at the beginning, it's a musical history for young people aged from zero to 100. So I think it's, again, that sort of mm. the, the philosophy with which you approach it, the curiosity and the playfulness that matters. And I also think that um, it's a little bit like reading a children's book as an adult. I mean, a children's book can be just as charming when you're in your 40s as you are when you're you know, 12, 13. I mean, it's like going back to read the the just so stories or, or you know any any classic children's book i think it works very well on on many levels um and particularly uh, well we're going to hear one of the more sort of i suppose more serious tracks um by bieber the sonata representativa uh, which is a beautiful uh piece of 17th century music for brock violin and harpsichord featuring anthony romaniuk on harpsichord fresh That was the frogs section from Bieber's Sonata Representativa. And as you can hear, the frogs going croakety, croakety, croak. And there's also all sorts of other animals you hear throughout that work. There's, there's actually, we have another cuckoo there as well, but Bieber actually disguises his cuckoo much more than in the work we heard earlier on. You kind of hear the, the dropping third throughout the rest of the harmonies rather than kind of overtly. Um, and then there's 
kind of marching soldiers towards the end. It's a, when you say it's serious, it's also kind of, but it's got a sort of fun edge to it. It's kind of weightier, I think. I, I, I can imagine other performances not bringing out those effects quite as much as Patricia does on, on, on the disc, actually. I can, I can imagine that she really does look at the effects and think, how can I get the most out of these? Because it is, a, it is quite a... Um, well, she, I mean, she, she's, she's a communicator. I can just imagine that if you were listening to that as a kid, that would really make you laugh. This, you know, the like, croaking sound on the violin. That's, you know, stuff that made me laugh anyway. Absolutely. I mean, talking of making um, the audience laugh, I think the next extract, which we're going to play um, by Sotelo, um, for violin and poet, in fact. And actually on this extract, you can hear her singing and playing. And I think it's a skill that we saw her employ at the BBC Music Magazine Awards um, a few years back. Um, it's very difficult to do, sing and play at the same time, but... Um, Clearly she's mastered it in this really rather wonderfully lively extract. So that was Sotelo's Quattro Fragmentos de Luth, composed for violin and poet. Um, and we're going to round off this podcast with one more extract, this time by Darius Mio, and an extract from his suite for violin, clarinet and piano. So it's time for some scores out of 10. Jeremy, what would you give uh, Take Two? I thought this was a really enjoyable disc um, and I thought it was great fun. And the playing, I ought to add, is absolutely exceptional because some of these pieces, fun though they might be, are also extremely difficult as well. And the playing is immaculate throughout. Um, I loved it. I can't see how often I would play it. Some of the pieces which are fun at first might kind of start to grate after a while. However, it is a brilliantly imaginative album, superbly played, so I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Rebecca? I'd like to give this eight out of ten as well. Uh, it's a sort of complete antidote. This album to anyone who, you know, for anyone who thinks that we just get Beethoven and Brahms and Bach rolled out over and over again and again. This is something completely original and great fun, superb playing. Uh, I probably might dip into it rather than listen to it from beginning to end, but I definitely will dip into it because there's a lot to discover here. Uh, there certainly is a lot to discover, actually, and I can imagine playing this to my own daughter when she's a little bit older. Actually, the sort of sense of fun that you can get from music, and you can get. A lot of fun from very small amount of forces. You know, you need two people, a couple of instruments, perhaps just a voice and violin, and and, and you can have the most amazing amount of, um, you know, sort of musical exploration. Um, I'm going to give this nine out of ten. I just thought it did what it was going to do exceptionally well, what it set out to do exceptionally well, which was speak to everyone aged from zero to 100. I just thought it uh, it was captivating. So that's nine out of 10 for me, which gives us a, a very tricky average of eight and a third. 
So that brings us to the end of this month's First Listen podcast. Join us next time when we'll be discussing another important new release. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.